Ladies and gentlemen, welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of the largest and oldest wrestling family on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying. That's right. Bring that camera in here a little bit closer. Through 93 years and four generations. The stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name, you will remember it. And now, the stud is here. Hey everybody, welcome in. It's David Summers hosting another Studcast with the Tennessee Stud Ron Fuller. It's the story of wrestling in America as told by the stud, whose family started the profession 100 years ago. Now, let's step back into the ring and back into time. And there ain't no hoss like the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. What's going on in the Great Smoky Mountains, Ron? Jeez, man, it's a beautiful day. Uh, you know, got a little blue sky up here today. Uh, temperatures beginning to drop a little bit. We're feeling like fall. It's even starting to look a, bit, a little bit like fall. Things are a little different than they were here, man, 20 years ago, and I guess that's what's going on in the world <laughs> with, the pri- with the climate. Yeah, you know, uh, used to middle of uh, October was the height of the season for leaves mm-hmm. in the Smoky Mountains. Yeah, and uh, we're just now getting started. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 changing. The climate obviously is having some effect. I, su- I assume that's part of it. But uh, it's uh, it's beautiful, and it's just going to get fantastic here in the next few weeks. Just uh, absolutely awesome. That's wonderful. All right, so do you get out much lately? What what you been doing? Yeah, yeah, I've been I've been hitting some spots. Uh, I, I like to get up. Uh, I was up on Klingman's Dome uh, a few days back, uh, seven thousand feet up, uh, highest mountain in the Smokies. Uh, looking into North Carolina, you could see. <laughs> I think I could see uh, Charleston, man. <laughs> oh well, could you could you see uh, Russia by chance? <laughs> well, no. I don't. I had to go up another few thousand feet. Well, maybe so. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Hey. I felt like I could see. I could see the Atlantic Ocean almost. Yeah, there you, you go. Know? So, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I am going out. I'm taking advantage of uh, a little bit of the extra time that I have and getting out and seeing some of these beautiful sights. Wow, it's just an amazingly beautiful part of the country. And a great time to be there. And listen, the last Studcast, number 221, was a really great one. An all-time record one. About Southeastern's two world title matches on that card of October 7th of 1977. Your description of all that, the setup, the TV, the incredible finish, and the shock of 6,000 fans in that sold-out Coliseum really made it worth it. Your presentation was just like being there. I really enjoyed the setup for the match with you and, of course, the legendary Harley Race. It was another great example of what your studcasts have really become. Pure wrestling history delivered in a story-like fashion from one 
of America's greatest wrestling historians. That's you, stud. Oh, wow. Whoa, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's a pretty big opening statement, man, for a stud cast, you know, uh, uh, gosh, it's easy, man. I had a wonderful story to tell, man, about fantastic wrestlers and tremendous fans. And it was during one of, of one of wrestling's and the territory's greatest periods. Wow, it's it's not hard to tell that story. Wow, it's just it's fun. It's actually fun to uh, to have that type of history to be able to lay out there for fans all over the world who are hungry for it. They they love it, and uh, man, uh, it was a pleasure for me that last episode two twenty one. That's awesome. Okay, so it's it's really a lot more than that, Ron. We're going to continue these historical stud cast with the following week's great card. But first, I can't wait for fans to hear about what's happening and what you have in mind for your Southeastern Rewind YouTube channel. It's really grown significantly since its inception, but now it sounds like you're ready to leave the runway and really fly with it. So tell our listeners what's coming next on Southeastern Rewind. Already some changes there, but what's going on? Well, I, you know, I'm very excited about this, Dave, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm learning like everything else you get into. Uh, you you start uh, changing things and you, you're learning how to improve things. So starting this week, Dave, on my Southeastern uh, Rewind uh, YouTube channel, uh, we're going to be upgrading a lot of the programming here, man. Uh, there's going to be no more of those original stud casts. We've been on there, and you and I have been doing the Tell Me Mores about. Those are all going to be gone. They're going to stay on there, obviously, but they're, we're not going to continue with the original stud cast. Instead, we're going to replace those old original ones with the ones we are doing right now. Uh, we're going to go to putting the new stud cast on there. And uh, that process has already begun. Uh, actually, uh, the Studcast number 221, which was the great one that we just finished mm-hmm. with the uh, two world titles at stake, uh, October 7th, 1977. Uh, number 21, uh, it's uh, it's the first. It's up there now. It just went up, and uh, it's going to stay there, obviously. And, uh, you know, every new Studcast from 221 forward, they're everyone going to be available in Southeastern Rewind. They're going to be on Wednesdays, just like. You can pick them up at all our normal podcast outlets. Yeah, you can now pick it up right here on, uh, you know, on my YouTube uh, South Southeastern Rewind channel. Hey, that's big news! And listen, as we, as you know, we're on thirty-two plus platforms for the audio version of this studcast. But now you've got the video version of it, which is going to have a banner, and it's it's really the photo of each show that will represent that particular episode on YouTube. So a a really big deal there. It also gives fans more options to get their stud cast. So I think that's pretty cool. And that's, I know that's what you were hoping for. That's what I was. Yeah. That's what I was hoping for. Give them more options. And, uh, you know, and so they're going to be looking at 221, man. They're going to see that great photo of, (laughs) of Nelson Royal all bent up backwards, man, on top of, uh, what did you, uh, Tony Charles that just has that. The most awesome looking wrestling hold uh, maybe ever 
You know, the I mean, torture. The, what was it? What did you call it? The torture rack. The, what the is torture it? rack? Yeah. Okay. You know, okay. And, uh, that's exactly what it was, man. And uh, you know, so that's going to be what you're going to be seeing when you look at Studcast number two twenty one. You're going to see that photo of the torture rack there, man. And so, uh, you know, then uh, you know, uh, we're recording now. The one we're doing right now, two twenty two. It's going to be on the YouTube channel uh, today, obviously. You're listening to it now. You can watch this on YouTube, or you can go over to YouTube and hear the same the same program. Yeah. So going forward, man, fans can now continue to get their studcast not only on their favorite outlet, but uh, they can get it on a new one. They can get it here on Wednesdays on Southeastern Rewind. Cool. And I know you got a lot of other stuff happening. What's going on, like Continental Championship Wrestling? What's up with that? Oh yeah, we got we got a lot of great stuff going on. You know, uh, the USA TV shows from 1988—they're already been a huge success. And yeah, they're getting more popular every week because it was a new company on the first one. There was a lot of uh, bugs in the program, things to, to make it better, mm-hmm. and uh, talent has improved. The uh, programming has improved. Every episode gets a lot more viewers, and uh, it's released every Sunday. Every Sunday in the afternoon a new USA TV show comes out. And uh, now we're going to start with another one, you know, uh, uh, of my wrestling TV uh, company's shows. And uh, this one is a much better, much bigger and better show than USA. I'm talking about Continental Championship Wrestling is now going to be coming to YouTube, Southeastern Rewind. And uh, it became one of the biggest wrestling companies in the world back in the day. And, uh, it was a it was it was shot live from the famous Batwell Auditorium, Birmingham, Alabama. Had thousands of fans in every one of those TV shows. Mm-hmm. It also had one of the most famous TV commentators in the world doing the show, the great Gordon Soley. Oh yeah, on this one, yeah, uh, Southie, and uh, he's uh, not only on USA, but he is also on the uh, fantastic continental championship wrestling shows. And it featured the beautiful set man on this giant stage in that big historic building uh, in uh, Birmingham. And it had featured a state of the art, the five camera production. Uh, It was, like I said, thousands of fans out there in the seats. And it had some of the greatest wrestlers in the world on those shows. So continental championship wrestling, CTW, is uh it's it's got to have its very first tv show ccw number one on southeastern rewind uh thursday this thursday if you're listening to it today uh we're talking about thursday october 28th yeah uh, because they're going to be listening to this these shows for years and years but uh the first one is on thursday october 28th and then every thursday after that we're going to release another continental championship wrestling tv and just like we promised they're all going to be in the exact order they were recorded in that's pretty cool a uh, really amazing ron but that's not all you're you're being called one of america's best storytellers so i love this next one tell us about what else new that you have in store well, some fans, Dave, uh, you know, they want to hear short deals. Uh, you know, what what I call videos and audio clips of about five to ten minutes, uh, mm-hmm. short segments that tell remarkable stories in them that you that make fans laugh, sometimes make them cry. 
but always entertain them. And uh, this is going to happen a couple of times a week on Southeastern Rewind. Uh, these are all going to be called stud snips instead of stud shorts. It could be called stud snips. And they'll some of them are going to come from events like the recent Dinner with the Stud, uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard and Les Thatcher stories that come from that uh, Dinner with the Stud. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and they're going to be cut right out of these longer shows so that uh, fans can go on there and watch just a five to seven, eight minute little, little uh, short thing. And uh, I think they're going to really enjoy them, man. And that, that's really not going to be the only place these stud snips are going to come from, though, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you know, some stud snips are going to be my own stories, man. Like a, like telling a short story. It's like a, a very short Brutus, you know what I mean? And, and uh, I got uh, so many stories in my head and, and uh, from my crazy family and from the sports history and, and from traveling all over the world. Uh, my favorite wrestlers are uh, and who, in my who, in my opinion, uh, was or is one of the greatest of all time. So uh, every Saturday, starting this week, a new stud snip is going to be there for fans around the world. Uh, they're either going to come from dinner with a stud or they're going to come from uh, one of these segments that I want to do about just wrestlers that I have wrestled in my <laughs> life, their history and what it was like to be in the ring with certain stars. Oh my God. You got a ton of things to choose from, uh, from all the stud cast, from the dinner with the stud, from all the things that you've done up to now. And, and to me, that's real wrestling entertainment every Sunday. Let's see if I got this right. Every Sunday, new USA TV shows. Every Tuesday and Saturday, new stud snips. Every Wednesday, a new stud cast like the one we're doing right now. And every Thursday, a new continental wrestling TV show. The Southeastern Rewind YouTube channel is really going to be taking off, stud. And I think that's what you're looking for once they come in They'll see what's on there, but then every every day or almost every day, new stuff is getting added. Yeah, you know, and, and it goes back to Dave uh, to uh, you know thanking my fans. You know, and that's and that's that's what my YouTube channel is, in my opinion. You know, mm -hmm. it's just another way to give back to my fans. And uh, speaking of taking off, Dave, I, I think it's time, man. Let's ride on into today's studcast, man. Let's take off on this one because. I think we got another great one today. Well, I can tell you, Mr. Pickles and I are ready. So where are you and Lightning going to lead us today? Well, our today's training man is going to take us into the Booker's world. And uh, we go there quite a bit because there's not much more important figure in wrestling than the Booker. And uh, we're going to ask kind of the, the question today of what do you do after these huge cards like the one we talked about in the last stud cast with two world championship matches? How do you keep the fans' attention after those matches are gone and that event is gone? How do you maintain that extremely important momentum that's necessary to operate a successful wrestling company? Uh, you know, and how do you continue that momentum past these big events? So, uh, so then we're going to be moving on uh, in this one later on uh, to the card of Friday, October 14th, 1977. We're going to be following a double world title card and a historic two straight weeks NWA lights out matches. And uh, that's going to have sent one 
one of the huge southeastern stars packing, man. And the TV we'll talk about that promoted this October 14th card, the results of that card. We're going to talk about the attendance of that card. And then we're going to have a learning tree again today, man. It's about time, I think. And uh, we have three <laughs> questions from three different fans about the last stud cast. Yeah. Last stud cast was a record breaker, like you said. And uh, wow, I got all types of different questions. So all these three questions are great ones. And, and I'm going to make up as best I can for missing a couple of learning tree questions because our shows have been so good and so long that, Kevin, get to our learning trees lately. Yeah, I'm not sure if I trust you on that or not, Stud. You've pushed us, <laughs> you pushed us back to well, sit around. I hate to think, Dave, I might have to do it to you again, but uh, uh, you yeah. Know. I'm not. We're going to try to get through this yeah. one today and get that learning tree in too. I'm not going to let that happen. So it sounds like another big one for real. So let's hear how the Bookers maintained momentum after huge events like this because it was absolutely big. And how do you follow it up? Well, you know, obviously it wasn't easy, Dave. Uh, you know, this this last event, uh, when you got two world title matches, four title matches and all on the card, plus a loser leaves NWA lights out match, uh, you know, wow, it's pretty hard to follow something like that. And, uh, you know, uh, and it, it was probably the most difficult night to follow since I had been with Southeastern Wrestling and started that company. Uh, you know, I, and I realized it. So, uh, so the finishes from that double world title card were critical in keeping Southeastern's momentum. Uh, Tony Charles had all but beaten Nelson Roy when the time ran out. And Tony looked like a world champion during his match. And that was an absolute necessity because it had to happen to maintain his fans. And to maintain the company's momentum as well. You've got a great star like Tony Charles. You can't afford for him to look bad. And he didn't look bad. So when the match ended and the crowd was going wild, Royal was in one of the most intricate, beautiful, and rarely seen finishes ever done, man. That torture rack was just an horrible deal for him <laughs> in the last minute of that match. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he survived it. You know, he was a really tough guy, and he wanted to keep his belt that he had been champion for nine years. You know, uh, he he was a he was a tremendous tre tremendous wrestler. You know, and I and I had also not lost any of my appeal during the great finish that I had that night. Uh, Harley was clearly beat. He was in my fuller leg lock, man. Uh, you know, and I lost by totally different type of disqualification, a crazy type of disqualification. One basically is based on uh, the fact that when I had him in my toehold, I couldn't see where he was in the ring. And I could not tell that he had his hands on the ropes. Mm -hmm. And it was so loud in the building with the roar of the crowd because they knew I was going to be the new world champion that uh, I couldn't hear the referee was even counting me out to disqualify me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, and so I guess this all goes back to, you know, a lot of bookers never took the time to create these great finishes in these world title matches that didn't end up hurting their star. You know, they, they always had their star wrestling the world champion. And uh, if the finish wasn't really good, then their star didn't look good. And that was a bad deal for, for a territory for the future. And it wasn't easy to, to create a great finish, to come up with a great finish. And, uh, you know, bookers that 
weren't getting it done, that was the reason the most main territories couldn't maintain that momentum after these huge cards like this one. So another thing happened that night, man, that helped maintain the momentum of Southeastern at this point. And that was the NWA Lights Out Loser Leaves match that had to go on last. Mm-hmm. So after these two world championship matches, you had another match. Normally, the last match, mine and Harley's, would have been the end of the night. It would kind of left the people a little flat, you know, because they didn't see me win the championship. But having this extra match, and because it was a lights-out match, and it had to be the last match of the night, uh, and the finish. And this one was a, a pretty darn good one, too. And, uh, you know, didn't make hand fans happy that was for sure but it did much more than that much something very much more important than that it left that building on fire with the heat directly on two heels man and it was an absolute necessity for something to happen that night that left some of the heels hotter than ever so for bookers heat on the heels always meant big crowds you didn't put heat on your heels you weren't going to fill your building and in that last match of the night, two relatively new heels got tremendous heat. And by relatively new, Don Carson was only in his third match back in Southeastern on this night. And, uh, and uh, he'd been out for totally a year because he'd lost a loser leave town. He'd been gone for a year. He's back three nights. He's going to get this burning heat on him. The assassin had only been in one match in almost two years, and he went coming back. So in uh, one match, the last match of the night, both of these guys had to use that hidden entrance into the Hills dressing room to survive the crowd, man. And, uh, and the uh, heat <laughs> beating Bob Armstrong. Wow. Yeah. It, it was tough. It was hot, man. It was like, wow, they're going to get killed. So uh, suddenly, uh, you know, we come out of this big event with two of the hottest heels in the territory, man. And they've only been seen to combine four times in three weeks. I mean, so, wow, in three weeks' time, we've got two absolutely on fire heels. And that was the secret, man, to this whole question here. Mm-hmm. How do you maintain that momentum after these huge champion championship nights? These two were well on their way, man, toward the main events. And at the same time, when you think about it, we still had the stomper. We still had Gorgeous George Jr. We still had Mr. Knoxville and Ronnie Garvin, Bob Orton Jr., the pro. All these heels are still hot as well. So, I mean, we come out of it strong. Oh. Uh, not just not just uh, barely surviving it uh, and dropping crowd dramatically, but coming out of it uh, as a success rather than a big, down, big downer. Oh, for real. And and heels as big as they come and a bunch of them. That's pretty awesome. So that's a pretty cool explanation, Ron. You managed to follow a huge card with angles that kept Southeastern on fire. So where do we ride to now? What's up next? Well, we're going to ride into the card of Friday night, October the 14th, 1977. It's after this big double world event. You know, and this card is a great card in itself. We return to the Coliseum again, and it's with a triple main event. And the first match on this card could have been a main event just about anywhere in the world. And the former world junior heavyweight champion, the European version of the Europe 
of the world junior heavyweight champion, Irish Pat Barrett, was facing off against superstar Bill Dundee. First match of the night. When you open the match, uh, open a night that way, you, you got a pretty good card. Second match was Tony Charles wrestling against the pro, Doug Gilbert. And in a special event, the international star making his first ever Coliseum appearance, Thunderbolt Patterson, a new baby face, mm. was going to wrestle the assassin. Mm. In the first main event of that night, a special challenge match, Don Carson against his old nemesis that ran Carson out of town, uh, Robert Fuller. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. You know, it's a good card. And in the next one, the Southeastern Tag Championship match, is no disqualification. The champions, Mr. Knoxville, who was Ronnie Garvin under a mask, and Bob Wharton Jr., managed by Al Costello, they were wrestling against the same guys they wrestled the week before in the big championship night, Joe Duke and Roy Lee Welch. And then the main event was a Southeastern Championship match. I wrestled the Mongolian Stomper, managed by Gorgeous George Jr. Okay, so I think the next thing up will be the TV show of Saturday, October 8, 1977, the day after that huge double world title card. Am I correct, sir? Uh, you certainly are, man. You win the prize. <laughs> All right, did. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, uh, and, you know, and it was a great TV, man. This TV, too, was great because it still it had so many new things on it. So one thing it had on this TV that was really, really fantastic, it had no less than four matches that had been recorded the night before on that big world championship card. Now, you're going to see a building that's totally packed. You're going to hear pops in that building. If you're a fan sitting at home and you're watching this TV show and you see these matches and hear those crowds, you're going to go buy a ticket. That's what it amounted to. It, 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 it sold itself. This TV sold itself. So uh, none of which in this on, on all these TV were more important than that NWA lights out last match on the card, loser leave town with Bob Armstrong and Don Carson. So Les opens with the card of the day. And when the cameras backed away, he talked about what all is going to be on. There's new faces on it, the whole deal. And when the cameras backed away, the giant still shot uh, there behind him on the set was the assassin in street clothes holding up a very bloody duddy Don Carson in the ring. Uh, you know, what? it's like the fans must have thought that weren't there. What the, what the heck is he doing in there with his street clothes on? And, you know, there's Carson. He had his hand in the air, and he was standing over the top of Bob Armstrong, who was laying out unconscious. Because he'd actually been headbutted twice by the mm -hmm. assassin. Mm -hmm. so he had a good reason that he was laying there. And uh, then when the cameras backed away, they captured a heavily taped up Don Carson because he'd had the hell beat out of him the night before by Bob Armstrong. And he's sitting there with his now close friend, the assassin. And Les is there with him, obviously. And the studio crowd, they erupted in booze, man. Just like the Coliseum crowd had erupted in booze the night before when uh, they tried to leave the ring after beating Bob Armstrong. And uh, Carson started out, obviously, bragging, as usual about that still shot and how he had dominated Bob Armstrong throughout the entire match. Well, those that were there and saw the match knew that 
Bob Armstrong darn near killed Don Carson in that match. Took his glove off, did everything he could do to him, you know. And uh, so, but that was Carson's way. People didn't know if they didn't go. So Les was ready for it, obviously, though. So he asked for the video to be backed up. And uh, it clearly showed the assassin uh, at this point. He was already in the ring with his mask on. Uh, obviously, he had clothes, had his clothes on. But it left out the part where the assassin had sat in the ringside seat that night without a mask on because nobody knew what he looked like. He'd never been unmasked. And then at the end of the match with uh, Carson, and Carson has lost his glove, and uh, Bob has beat the heck out of him, and he's as bloody as he can be, uh, he decides to come to the ring. And uh, it's exactly what the video showed. It didn't show him coming to the ring, but it showed him in the ring with his mask on because he put the mask on when he got up on the apron of the ring. And then afterward, it showed probably the most important part. It showed that near riot, man, that occurred after the win and after the two of them left the ring. They had to be escorted by a, a, an entire troop of policemen. And, uh, you know, and, and, they, and then they both began to brag about fans you know, fans uh, having to say goodbye to Bob Armstrong. Wow, they were really coming. They were pushing that heat. Man. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that was just, and that he was just the first one to be gone in Southeastern. And that they were there now, they were going to change Southeastern wrestling forever. And uh, that they, they made some strange comment to, to Liz about they'd already made a deal with the devil. And soon fans are going to know what that means. <laughs> okay. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And knowing Carson and a guy like the assassin, you know, it's like, whoa, wow, what is this all about? So, you know, that little comment got less, man. He was shocked. You could see it. And, you know, uh, and he started right into it. What are you talking about? What does that mean? You know? And they just got up laughing. And, uh, and the assassin went to the ring. He was in the first match. And Carson went with him, followed him out there to the ring. So the assassin, he destroyed his opponent in the first match. And he could have easily pinned him, man, during the match. But uh, on the end, he threw him out of the ring to Don Carson, who's standing out there on the floor. And then uh, the assassin drew the referee's attention, got him looking the, the other direction, and Carson loaded his glove, and he knocked the assassin's opponent out. Well, look, he was already about out. Now he's totally out. And he was out so bad that I think the plan was for Carson to throw him back in. But Carson couldn't get him up. He was he was flat out. So the assassin had to come out of the ring. And the two of them threw this unconscious wrestler back into the ring. And then the assassin went back in the ring. And, and he stood over his opponent. And he pinned him by putting one foot on his chest. And the ref counted him out. So they returned to the set with Les. Hmm. Uh, Rob, my brother. Uh, was uh, in Studio B with a guy that was making his first ever appearance in the state of Tennessee, one of the great black wrestling stars of all time, Thunderbolt Patterson. So uh, here's a brand new guy, man. So so these four wrestling stars were set to meet, meet each other in single matches the following Friday night. Robert and Thunderbolt had been friends for many years at this point. And uh, Patterson was a uniquely fantastic talker and interviewer. 
and uh, and so were the other three guys that were there too in this interview. And in the in that next two minutes, fans were treated to an interview that could be that wouldn't going to be heard any place else in the world probably from four guys. Man, I mean, it was just really a tremendous interview, and uh, and it would be Thunderbolts' very different style in the ring that was going to get him over. Uh, he had this crazy way of of uh, misshaping his body. I mean, he would he would knock a guy down, and then he would do all these funky deals with his body, where it looked like he had he had a deformities, you know. And uh, and he he just did it when he wanted to. Wow. But uh, then on the, his comebacks, this guy had tremendous fire, man, when he made his comebacks. So it obviously his style made him stand out from other wrestlers. He was going to be an under overnight sensation in southeastern and the perfect replacement for bob armstrong all right so i've been wondering since the last stud cast how do you treat this bob armstrong situation i mean you can't replace bob armstrong yeah <laughs> yeah right well and that's a good point you know but uh actually you know dave i had, an, I had another replacement as well <laughs> besides thunderbolt hmm. and he was in the next tv match oh and, uh, he'd He'd wowed fans uh, two weeks earlier, right before appearing in the Southeastern One Night Tournament to see who was going to get to wrestle Harley Race. He was the recognized former world junior heavyweight champion from Europe, Irish Pat Barrett. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So, you know, I, I had a I double two guys that make it who replace him. So uh, Tony Charles uh, came to the set with Les, and uh, he was real good buddies with uh, Pat Barrett for, for most of his life. And uh, he wanted to join Les and to talk about his buddy who was wrestling in the ring. And this combination of Tony Charles with his British accent and his Irish friends' fantastic wrestling moves in the ring, it gave this match, man, an international flavor. It wasn't just a regular match. It's two foreign guys with foreign styles. Uh, wow, it's amazing. So Pat joined them. After his win, he went to the set. He and Tony interviewed uh, with the pro and Bill Dundee, their opponents in Studio B. And really, Dave, I couldn't, I remember, I couldn't have been more proud of of Southeastern's talent with the accents and the ability of these three guys, as an example, from three different countries on the same wrestling show. So right there was representatives from England, from Ireland, and Australia. And if that didn't make Southeastern have an international wrestling television show, I mean, there's probably no place in the world that day that had a combination like that on the wrestling show. Nowhere, nowhere. And if you added to that group the Stomper, Ronnie Garvin, and Joe LaDuke, all of those from Canada, it was four different countries represented yeah. uh, in that television show. Wow, that's that's really cool stud. So I would have never thought about it that way or even really thought about it. So, all right, hey, I'll tell you what, let's take our break here and let's come back with the personality profile. And while we take the break, you've got time to head over to Southeast Rewind, Southeastern Rewind on YouTube. Subscribe, ring the bell to get reminders on when the greatest stories in wrestling will show up on Southeastern Rewind. You ring our bell, we'll ring your bell when they get ready. And be sure to tell your friends about Southeastern Rewind. Again, the personality profile. 
is up next right here on this Studcast. Hey, Stud fans, David Summers. And you know, we know it's only October, but this Christmas might be a lot different than most. With supply lines and empty shelves, you may want to shop early for your friends and family. The Stud Store is always open 24-7 and now stocking up with t-shirts at $23.99 to $25.99. Tennessee Stud Mask, $40. All photos, $15. And Ron's Red Hot Book, Brutus, $19.99 and $29.99 autographed. All shipping is free. Every one of these is now available at tnstud.com. Click Stud Store. Another great gift idea is the November 24th, 2021 two-hour Dinner with the Stud at Calhoun's on the River Restaurant in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's only $30 and includes a free buffet dinner. Two 8x10 photos of Ron and special guest Jimmy Golden. A live one-hour studcast and one-hour question and answer show. Great door prizes and much more. Get it all at tnstud.com. That's tnstud.com. Click Stud Store. Start shopping today and put a smile on that stud fan's face this Christmas. All right, welcome back once again. Another studcast. With the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller, it's David Summers. All right, Ron, personality profile time. Set it up for us. Who was on it that day? Well, man, it was the most unusual profile, man. Uh, and, and simply because so much had happened the night before. Uh, and, and we took advantage of it. I, I took advantage of it the best I could. So, um, you know, there was two different people on this profile. Uh, it was basically a fan's dream, man. It's going to have highlights from two world championship matches. They're going to be highly edited, and they're going to show just the best parts of the match, and they're going to show the ending of each of the matches. So it was one of the reasons our TV show was one of the best in the world. It took two men in the control room and the director of the show almost an hour to cut the one hour and 45 minutes of tape from those two matches, from those two world title matches the night before, to cut them into two three-minute videos from each match. So May of 1975 until October of 1979, I couldn't have asked for a better TV situation or a TV with more cooperation than that WBIR Channel 10 TV in Knoxville, Tennessee. They were just phenomenal. And with the, the, uh, the, the, the uh, effort that they went to to make us successful was just fantastic. Okay, so they worked an hour to give your fans like six minutes of video. That's incredible. Yeah, that's, you know, and, and it was six minutes of two world championship matches that were so good that uh, it was so good that when I sat there and I watched it with the fans, you know, because I hadn't seen it yet either, these these videos, uh, I, I could understand, man, what's going to happen here and, and that fans are going to talk about it for months. Every time I went out of my house after that week, for months, 
that's all people wanted to talk about was damn that world championship that that personality profile when you were talking about Harley Race and Tony Charles was talking about Nelson Royal, and uh, and I'm sure they did the same thing for Tony Charles every time he went out of the house too. It was one of the reasons professional wrestling was one of the most watched TV shows in that part of the world. Uh, it was things like this, man, that made Southeastern different from any other TV wrestling show anywhere. So uh, Tony and Liz, they went first on this profile. Uh, and they took a total of four minutes. And, uh, and then I came in and added another four minutes after that. So that total of eight minutes and a segment of the show that was designed for basically five minutes, it surely made wrestling fans out of people that never were before. And the people that never thought they would ever be fans of wrestling. And those that were already fans that watched this, they became forever fans. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah. it, it just, it, it, that eight minutes was just, it was phenomenal, man. It mm. was what it was all about as the owner of a company. So Roy Lee Welch and Joe LaDuke, man, they didn't, they just set the studio on fire. Just as soon as the personality profile ended, they hit the studio and wow, they were over, man. The fans loved this team. They got a quick win. And uh, Joe ended up with his bear hug and Roy with his abdominal stretch. Uh, fans loved them. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out exactly why they loved them, man. But I never could deny it either. I mean, I, just, I, I couldn't figure it. But, uh, you know, I sure couldn't say that it didn't there. It wasn't happening. So they went to the set afterward, and the last queued up the last of four videos in this one TV from the night before. And this one had was the Southeastern Tag Championship match. It had Joe LaDuke and Roy Lee Welch against uh, Mr. Knoxville, Ronnie Garvin, and the, the Mask, and Bob Orton Jr. And uh, Joe and Roy, they talked over the video. And at the end of it, LaDuke had his bear hug on Ronnie Garvin, and Roy had his abdominal stretch on Orton. Kind of like what had just happened in the TV match just seconds before. And uh, the referee was between the two guys asking for submission from either one of the two champions. He was in the perfect position to get the, the, the submission. And uh, all of a sudden, the manager, Al Costello, he just stepped up very calmly on the apron, and, uh, and he just got in the ring. You know, and the, and the referee's attention went from looking at the two guys that were the they expect to get submissions from, to the guy that's in the ring for no reason. And uh, you know, <laughs> and the referee saw him and mm -hmm. he hesitated. He didn't want to disqualify Costello's team because, by golly, they were going to lose. They were going to get beat. Mm -hmm. So Costello was no dummy. He saw that hey, one of these guys is going to give up. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. so he, he made a charge at Roy, you know, he, he figured, well, I got to hit somebody. I got to do something worse to get him disqualified. Mm -hmm. And when he made the charge at Roy, uh, the ref signaled for the bell automatically to stop the match. But uh, Roy saw him coming and Roy released the hold and Costello accidentally hit Bob Orton Jr. Uh -oh. oh no. <laughs> right at the end of the match, you know, and, uh, so the disqualified champions, they rolled out of the ring. LaDuke and Roy got their hands raised by the referee, but they couldn't win the belt because the, they, the other team had been disqualified. But out on the outside of the ring, Orton was uh, starting to shovel Al Costello, and I'm calling him old Al because Al had some age on him. He was, he was shoving 
Costello around a little bit because, you know, he couldn't figure out why, why'd you hit me? And uh, Mr. Knoxville, Ronnie Garvin, he, he kind of got between them and he calmed them down. And that was the end of that. Uh, you know, uh, but uh, so Joe and Joe and Roy, they stayed at the set with Les, you know, and Mr. Knoxville, uh, Bob Orton Jr. and Al Costello, they went into Studio B for their interview. And uh, this rivalry was just beginning, man. This is going to become a great uh, tag rivalry between these two teams. And the last match of the show was the newly crowned Southeastern champion, Mongolian Stomper, won it the night before. Uh, he was managed by Gorgeous George Jr. And the belt uh, had been held up on the previous Tuesday before this Friday night, the big card in Johnson City, Tennessee, in a match between Ricky Gibson and the Stomper. And, uh, you know, they met then for the title, uh, Ricky Gibson against the Stomper the night before in that big championship card. And, uh, well, Stomper won the match, obviously. And, uh, you know, Stomper was as proud as a peacock, man, wearing the belt. That's, he loved to strut around with those belts on. And Gigi was just as happy that, uh, you know, they had those belts. And they both always just all they wanted to be was champions, man. If they weren't champions, they were down and distraught. <laughs> and uh, Stomper, you know, he, he did what made him famous in this match. He's in the ring now for his match on TV, and he stomped the brains out of two young wrestlers, man, like he always did. And wow, he just uh, demolished them. And uh, and then I went to the set, and Stomper and Gigi went into Studio B, and uh, we're ready for another, the last interview. And there was already enough bad blood between us to not have to make up history for a feud. It'd been going on basically for a long time between me and him. Uh, and, and I sat and thought about it a little bit. And, you know, I think we at this point had probably wrestled each other more than a hundred times. Uh, this is in 1977. He'd come in 1976. Wow. Uh, uh, a lot of matches with the same guy. Wow. Do, do you build a relationship from that as friendship down the line, whether it was, while you were still together wrestling or maybe later in years, later in life, in retirement, or, or did you build a relationship with Archie? Well, I think uh, more a friendship than a relationship. I mean, you have to respect. Right, I was going to say, that's the key you, word. You build that respect yeah. for one another. And yeah. that, that turns into a friendship, you know, because <laughs> yeah. you admire the guy, you know, and, uh, uh, yeah, and, and that's a good point. <laughs> you know, that, that happened to a lot of yeah. wrestlers that wrestled in all these uh, tremendous number of matches against one another. So, uh, yeah. So, and w so when you would run into him, even years down the line, it, it, it kind of was unspoken. You walked up and you shook hands and, and probably didn't have to say anything because it was that mutual, mutual respect was just there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, you know, and then toward the end, uh, uh, on into the late eighties, um, uh, there might've been an occasional hug. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. it was, it was almost more than respect, uh, yeah. because, uh, you, you spend 15 years with a guy and, uh, you've been in the ring with him uh, that hundred times turns yeah. into 300 matches. You know, and uh, it's just, it, yeah. it's, 
it's a it's a strange feeling between two wrestlers. It's a, it's an odd sensation. I'm sure it's that yeah. way in a whole lot of sports. It, you uh, kind of had all players uh, that play each other a lot. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Basketball, all different yeah. sports. You build a tremendous respect for some of them, and especially in wrestling, you kind of had his life, and he kind of had your life in the ballots in the ring because somebody could get seriously hurt, and and you've been there before too. So listen, yeah. That's a great TV right there, Ryan. So a, a ton of new stars, historic videos of two world title matches, and kind of a new beginning for Southeastern. So what happens the following Friday night? Well, in that great first match I was talking to you about, Irish Pat Barrett, man, uh, he, he beat Bill Dundee. What a phenomenal match. Wow. Uh, lots of different throws, lots of different moves. Uh, wow. I mean, it, it's just, I love to watch him. I, I, I wouldn't miss that match because I, Barrett was a renowned wrestler and, uh, and so was Dundee. And I'd wrestled Dundee many, many times. I'd never wrestled against Barrett, but uh, I, I talk about respect. I gained a lot of respect in that one match for Pat Barrett and his ability. Uh, Tony Charles in the second match of that night beat the pro, Doug Gilbert. Thunderbolt Patterson and the Assassin had an absolutely phenomenal 20-minute time limit draw. Uh, Patterson, there again, just like uh, the, just like the respect I got for Barrett, I got the same feeling about Patterson's match. And those two guys wanted it. They were two baby faces just getting there. Knew they were competing against each other as well as everybody else. And uh, wow, they 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 both went out and they shined, man. They they lit it up. Uh, Robert and Don Carson they had a fantastic match. They, they <laughs> always had good matches. Mm -hmm. At the end of this match, the assassin ended up going down to the ring, and uh, and I happened to be watching the match from the back of the building, and. And I had to go down too. They both got on Rob, and uh, so I went down too. But they got out of the ring before I ever got in, and the referee disqualified Carson. And uh, he and the, he and the, and the assassin, like I said, they they took a powder before I ever got there. So <laughs> I raised my brother's hand, man, to a big round of applause, and uh, we went back to the dressing room. Southeastern Tag Championship match. That was a no DQ, and it got stopped because both teams left the ring and they didn't just get out of the ring. They left the ring and they fought back, back to the black, big black curtain at the back of the Coliseum. Uh, that didn't very rarely happen. Obviously they got counted out. You know, the match was ruled a no contest. They never came back. <laughs> they, they fought, they actually passed the curtains and into the, where nobody could see them fighting and uh, it was still going on. So when Joe LaDuke kind of squared off and he stayed with uh, Mr. Knoxville and uh, Roy kind of uh, fought basically with Bob Orton Jr. Uh, so the last match on that card was the Southeastern Championship. And, and it was kind of a wild one, too. Uh, right on the beginning of the match, Ricky Gibson had wrestled Stomper the week before. So Ricky, he wasn't even booked on this card. And uh, but he came, obviously, to the matches anyway. And he came down to ringside before the match even started. He got me out of the ring and he asked me if I would let him be my manager. And uh, he'd had a pretty nasty loss to the Stomper the Friday before. 
the night before actually and um and he got he had some interference from Gigi that actually cost him the win and uh and you know i thanked him for coming down but i declined his offer you hmm. know because i felt like i probably could handle myself here but as usual uh <laughs> you know hmm. i was probably wrong about <laughs> it because Gigi got involved in the end of my match right and uh so when he did uh they both uh, got me bleeding a little bit and uh and then uh, the referee, you know, he had to disqualify. He had no choice. So Ricky Gibson came to my rescue. And then because he was not wrestling that night, he wasn't in the back of the building where they might have been looking for somebody to come and save me. He came from the front of the building where he was sitting up in the crowd with some people. And in street clothes. Yeah, and in street clothes. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, he All wasn't right. dressed to wrestle, yeah. And uh, Stomper and Gigi, boy, they didn't know he was coming. They weren't looking for him. And he climbed up on the top rope behind the Stomper's back, and they were putting the boots to me. And uh, he drop-kicked that Stomper off the back rope in the back, and that Stomper (laughs) went flying three rows out in the ringside, it looked like, man. And and then Gibson went to work on old Gigi. And that crowd went nuts. Uh, Gibson was like a madman, you know, and – so I got my hand raised by disqualification, couldn't win the title. Stomper was still the champion. But Ricky Gibson had made his mark that night, and he's going to be returning the next Friday night. He won't, he'll be on the next Friday night's card. <laughs> All right, so it had to be a really good night attendance-wise. What did you guys do? Well, we did about the 5,400. Now, we were at the 6,100, I think. We were about 700 fans down. But, wow, that's not very – Big drop considering that you had that huge card. Uh, two the world titles. Before. Yeah, two world titles the week before. Two world titles, yeah. four yeah. championship matches, a loser leave town, uh, lights out. I mean, you had everything. So what it basically told me is we'd managed to keep our momentum, man. My booking had, had done the trick. Uh, we were, we didn't take a dramatic jump. We were still pretty, pretty well over for 5,000. Wow, that's pretty cool. All right, so um, I'm glad to say, Ron, guess what? We have time for the learning tree. You're not getting away with it this week. We've, <laughs> we've, only, we've missed it a couple of weeks, I mean, because you obviously had some pretty good stories to tell. But we've got three questions, and they're all three from the last great stud cast about the two world titles, as a matter of fact. The first one comes... From Craig Brinkley, he says, just listen to the Studcast. Definitely a classic one. He's referring to 221, number 221, now on Southeastern Rewind. How was Harley's payday this time? And listen, I remember the last time you talked, you wrestled Harley, and you had the private moment, and you guys were in the locker room afterwards. Everybody was basically gone from the building. And I remember that private moment where you paid Harley off. So I'm wondering yeah. if it's going to be is something like that. Yeah. Well, you know, oddly enough, it, it did end up the same way, uh, you know, because, I, you know, we wrestled next to last. Uh, that last match was not the 40-minute match or mm-hmm. a long match. It wasn't like the one hour that, uh, that it happened in the Tony Charles match that night. And it would, mine and Harley's was – past 45 probably so uh you know uh, 
uh, we had we had time uh, to take our time, and we took a shower, and uh, and the Harley waited because uh, I, he knew he was going to get paid in cash, and uh, and I like to pay in cash, mm-hmm. so uh, you know he waited till last, and then we end up in the same dressing room. I went to his dressing room again, and uh, and it was just slightly less than that April card. Now we had wrestled in April. Uh, six months earlier, basically, in the same year of 1977, we wrestled, and that card had set the all-time record crowd for a sports event in the Coliseum. It's still the record, 44 yeah. years later. Hmm. And uh, Carly got paid $2,000 on that night. Yeah. And I, re- yeah. I remember, you know, telling the story and, uh, and watching his face and <laughs> him saying, Ron, uh, uh, I, I'm going to call Sam much. He can tell him I want to work Knoxville as many times as yeah. he can book me here. And, yeah. Yeah. And then and he's, he kept his word. He started coming more than he ever had. I got the world champion more than I'd ever gotten him while Harley was. Wow. Champion. And, uh, so on this night he didn't get to 2000, but he was pretty close. He got $1,800. And, uh, and part of that was because there was a second world championship on this card. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had to, had more than one world champion to pay. I had two to pay. So, uh, and that $1,800, I, I was looking that up, man, uh, Googling it, you know. And, and you, you know what the value of that is in today's money? What's it like today? That's $8,000. Oh, in today's money. yeah, okay. <laughs> so we had $8,000 night. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, you know. so, but, but after all that, and, and listen, I know he's been in the business a long, long time. I'm sure he understood, but was there any indication one way or another? Was he thrilled with that? Was he like, yeah, about that? What was it like? Oh, no, no. He was he was happy. You know, I mean, Harley had been around a long time. Uh, he was he was a, not just a wrestler, but he had done some booking. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he had been he'd been around the owners of company and, and he knew what business was all about. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I could tell that. Uh, that he he took it very well because I think he realized, you know, that hey, I'm, I'm not the only world champion on this card. Yeah, yeah. And then he looked around in that dressing room at some of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah. And he thought, wow, you know, <laughs> it's a pretty good payoff. <laughs> oh so, yeah. And it was by anybody's standards a big payoff. I don't care who, you- where it was you were wrestling. Yeah. Uh, an eighteen hundred dollar night. In 1977, uh, you were you were getting paid big time. And when you were dealing with a superstar like Harley Race, you know, to, to me that's the that's that's the big deal of of the whole thing. And he's he's a gentleman all the way through. Yes, yes, he, he is a truly world champion. Not just uh, when he goes in the ring, he's a world champion everywhere he goes. He even sent you guys the the promo. Uh, the leading up to it from Hawaii. From Hawaii. So, so yeah. he was engaged the entire time for this match to help you build it up and really sell it. So, wow. Yes. Yeah. All right. So that's that's cool. I, I, I love hearing the stories about uh, Harley Race. So, all right. So Mark Frazier asked, leading up to the big match, like the one with Harley, a, possible, a, po- a possibly 60-minute one, how did you prepare Another good question. Uh, gosh, Mark, uh, you know, I, I was wrestling every night, 
you know, and, uh, and a heck of a lot of my matches during those days uh, was 30, 45 minutes. Uh, that was not uncommon. So when you're wrestling six, uh, seven times a week and you're averaging 30, 40 minutes a match, uh, I was in great shape. Uh, anybody that wrestled that often and, and that long uh, was going to be in great shape. And, and on days like that championship night uh, where it might last an hour, I, I, I had a little different routine. I ate early in the afternoon. But just to make sure that I wasn't going to be in there and have a full stomach and end up getting sick and nauseous or feeling like I was couldn't breathe. So I, I always ate early on world championship matches. And I always took a nap after that meal, a pretty good nap after that meal. So other than that routine, uh, I, I was prepared to go to the limit, man. No matter what it was, no matter what that limit was, I was prepared for it, and uh, yeah, and I was in shape for it. The the nap was probably a good idea because you know uh, after you have a good meal, you don't go swimming for thirty minutes, stud. Yeah, yeah, so. and and you don't go in the ring either. <laughs> yeah, probably probably very similar. Okay, Ron Stevenson asked, were there moves wrestlers didn't like used on them? Some moves look painful regardless if it is a work or not. The human body isn't meant to bend in certain ways. <laughs> uh, Mr. Stevenson, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, you're right about that. You know, and obviously I'm going to tell you, man, I had so many comments about that photo of Tony Charles and Nelson Royal. That question here obviously came from somebody who saw that picture, man, of that torture rack. Uh, that Tony Charles put on Nelson Roy. Not once, but twice. Put it on him on TV and put it on him again in the actual match. And, uh, and I guess the quick answer to your question, Mr. Stevenson, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, to, 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 were there moves that wrestlers didn't like? The quick answer is yes. You know, there, there, are, there were moves in wrestling, you know, that the wrestlers really didn't like to get put into, man. Uh, you know, and, Obviously, that torture rack, uh, it was not a hole you look forward to being put into. I mean, you know, <laughs> if there was mm. discussion about it, you were like, wow, I'm hoping this ain't going to last long. I hope you ain't going <laughs> to leave me there for a while. <laughs> you know, and in the case of uh, Tony Charles and Nelson Royals match, I think it was very close to one minute that he was in that move. Wow. And uh, I don't know how, man. I don't know how he made it. Uh, I if somebody had told me you got to do this for a minute, I don't, I would have said, I don't know if I can do it, man. Wow. So you, you know, and obviously, um, you know, uh, you didn't know, uh, you didn't want to get put into a torture rack type of hole. Is there... So you're, you're, you're right, Mr. Stevenson. The human body doesn't bend well in certain directions. Was there sure. one that you didn't like that was used on you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I got one in my mind that comes instantly me, to me and, uh, and it happens to be about the same guy we just talked about here, Harley Race, and is a great example of, of not wanting to, to do a particular move, mm -hmm. be involved with a particular move. And uh, the first time I ever wrestled Harley Race was in Miami, Florida, uh -huh. in about 1973. I don't remember the exact dates. I'm thinking it's probably 73. Harley was not the world champion, but he was about to. He was he was he was headed there. Yeah. And, uh, 
And in that match, on the end of it, uh, he climbed the top rope. He, he suplexed me twice in the middle of the ring. He climbed uh-huh. the top rope. And, uh, and then he dived off head first into the side of my head. Oh, good God. With, <laughs> from the top rope. Uh, like a torpedo, he put his arms down by his side. Yeah, and he he did not catch himself with arms, uh, body of any kind, and drove the side of his head into the side of mine. And uh, you know, and, uh, <laughs> it's like a <laughs> you know, it's like a uh, log dropping off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you uh-huh. know what the crazy part about it is is uh, somehow I actually. Uh, turned my head a little bit to see where he was uh-huh. when he was coming down off the top rope. Oh. And I saw that his head was going to connect with mine. Oh. And I was like, oh, you kidding me. You know, wow. Uh, yes. There's a lot lot safer ways to make a living, I can tell you, than, than wow. that. Wow. <laughs> okay. Was it because you turned your head or because – and how how much – of a real headbutt was that coming from Harley coming off the top rope? Well, you know, it, it, every time he, he did it to me a couple of other times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask uh, about that too. Yeah. You know, and, and <laughs> he, it didn't, uh, you know, the first one hurt me worse than any of them, but there was no way you could do that move without connecting. Well, yeah. And, yeah, I was going to say the dread had to be bigger on the second and the third one because in the first one, you didn't know what to expect. But after that, it was like, oh, God, here it comes. Oh, yeah. 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 You know? And, wow. Uh, so, wow. Wow. Well, that's a part of being a wrestler, man. And yeah. like I said, there's just a, there was a whole lot of safer ways to make a living than in the ring. <laughs> Dude, that's just to be able to tell the story of wrestling Harley Race. That is another phenomenal stud cast, Ron. Obviously, they they don't all have to be built around world title matches to be special. That's for sure. Okay, listen on Facebook to become friends with the stud. Simply like or follow him on either the Ron Fuller, the Tennessee stud page, or the author Ron Fuller Welch page. On Twitter, follow him there at Ron Fuller Welch. And don't miss the next Dinner with the Stud, Wednesday, November 24th. 7 to 9 p.m. It is the night before Thanksgiving. It's a great time to visit the Smoky Mountains for a vacation and an unforgettable evening with Ron, Les Thatcher, and WCW's Bunkhouse Buck, also known as Jimmy Golden. Experience a great buffet dinner at one of the world's finest restaurants, Calhoun's on the River. It's located on the Tennessee River and right next to the University of Tennessee in downtown Knoxville. Get the free dinner, two free 8x10 photos of the stud and Jimmy Golden, a one-hour live stud cast plus one-hour question and answer show immediately following that. Great door prizes. You'll enjoy a cash bar right there in the dining room this time and meet all three stars on the way in. Reservations, only 30 bucks at tnstud.com. That's T in stud.com you click on the stud store look for the dinner with the stud sign right there at tnstud.com under the stud store the photo alone the photos alone that's a $30 value the last one was absolutely fantastic almost full man I wish I could have been there reserve your seat now 
for this tremendous evening. When you see it, by the way, on Southeastern Rewind, you'll understand why it's best to get your tickets ahead of time. It was a great crowd, and you'll be ready for Thanksgiving, and you'll be off to a great start. Hey, by the way, Brutus, Ron's highly acclaimed novel, is still breaking records. It takes place not far from where the dinner with the stud is going to be where his notorious lion, Brutus, escaped into the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. They call it the next Jaws. Get it on Amazon, Brutus Novel, or the extremely valuable autographed copy from his website at tnstud.com. Click on Stud Store. Stud Store. I'm running out of gas here, Stud. Only $29.99. That price includes shipping. All right, did I miss anything? No, I think you did really great here, man. <laughs> you know, right. I would like to say, though, on the very end, man, to, before we close out here today, uh, uh, I'm hoping fans have remember the Southeastern Wrestling, the YouTube channel, man, and all the new things that are on there now. Uh, a new USA TV show comes out every Sunday. Uh, I'm going to do these brand-new stud snips and stud stories, basically, every Tuesday and Saturday. Uh, your latest stud cast is now on there. Uh, every Wednesday, as well as all the other outlets where you can get them normally. And uh, don't forget, beginning this week, every Thursday, the first classic continental TV show from the famous Boutwell Auditorium in Birmingham, Alabama, is going to be the first one, and it's going to start on Thursday, this Thursday. And uh, it's uh, going to be added to everything else on there. And, uh, wow, I want to... I want to send a special thanks out to everyone for all their support, especially on the YouTube channel. For everybody that has subscribed, for those that have subscribed, uh, thank you, obviously. And if you haven't already, uh, you know, uh, please do. Uh, tell your friends about what's happening on that YouTube channel uh, that, that I'm trying to preserve the wonderful old school wrestling of yesterday. I want fans to be able to see what it was all about in wrestling's golden era. All right, that's pretty cool. So where are we going to ride next week, Stud? Well, uh, in addition to today's training, you know, the edu we're, we're going to educate again, man, in uh, next week's today's training. We're going to take a deep dive into what, something I just mentioned, uh, into how, what, how wrestling was all handled and what was done and what made it happen back in the golden era, man, of the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, uh, when it was on fire. Uh, also, next week, we're going to have a big Southeastern event, late October 1977. Uh, this is a time when new wrestlers are arriving, kind of like they came in today. There's going to be more coming uh, from all over the world. And the card, we'll talk about the specific card of October 21st, 1977. We'll talk about the TV that promotes that card. We'll talk about the results of the card and the attendance of the card. And we'll end up next week, hopefully, with another learning tree. Man, and uh, I got a good one here, I think, uh, that I've already looked at. It's, I saw where somebody had asked me a question about uh, what's happening in my search for a second territory. Hmm. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I kind of got away from that. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's what I'm going to answer next week because uh, uh, I'm, it's still in the process. And it's getting a lot closer than it used to be. <laughs> So, you know, I want to thank everybody for listening today, uh, Dave, as always, and, and, and all the other times as well. And uh, please take care of yourselves and others, and may God bless us all. 
another great time for Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening. Find me at davidsummersproductions at gmail.com. This studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud. LLC. Thanks for joining us today for this historic studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. One, two, three. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.